I'm Sarah. And I'm Fallon. I'm the mother-in-law. And I'm the daughter-in-law. We are both church ministers who work on college campuses. So on this podcast, we're engaging the questions we hear in our ministry to better equip those who care for the emerging adults in their lives. Thank you so much for being here, Jacqueline. We're just so delighted to have you. Thank you for the invitation. I am so excited to be here. So Jacqueline is a teacher of preaching and chaplaincy at Fuller Theological Seminary. Besides having a PhD in theology and religion from the University of Birmingham in the UK, she also has an MDiv and an MFA. So she is an actor and a chaplain and a minister, uh, an American Baptist ordained minister, no less. Um, and we are so excited to talk to you because, uh, especially because of some of your research interests and some of the specific their um, incarnational and embodied preaching. How did you get into that? Well, I fell into it, like most things, uh, for me at least, in my journey of life. As you said, I've been an actor. That was my first career. Um, and something I did from a very young age was performing. And my first art form was dance. And so mm. I was very much about being and communicating with my body not my words, yeah. well before I started thinking about, well, what are the words that are going to come out of my mouth mm. that I'm trying to use? And so when I started working in ministry and started preaching, I realized that there were some formational things I had gained from my life as an artist, as an actor, and as a dancer that I wanted to translate to my preaching mm. um, that weren't really about performance, that weren't really about the delivery, that were mm. more about like how I was being formed as a craft person, as a craftsman. Um, and so I went to the back to that body place mm. and and said, okay, well, what does that mean for us as preachers? And obviously we are preaching about incarnate word and we are preaching incarnate word. And so I said, what if we took that literally, not just as sort of a metaphor, but we are word wrapped in flesh. Jesus, of course, was the incarnation, is the incarnation, but we are word um, wrapped in flesh when we receive that message from God. And so I just started saying, okay, where are the connecting pieces between art and theology? Mm. Um, and can we teach it this way to preachers? Mm. Um, and I just have a lot of fun with it. It's not an exact science, and I kind of love that because life of faith is not an exact science. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, but that was really what drew me to it, is really my own processing of wanting yeah. to make those connections and then saying, oh, how can I share this with others? Mm. And one thing we know, this podcast is about, specifically about the faith of emerging adults. And one thing we know from the questions students ask us, from things they say, is that community really matters to them. I've heard this question even recently, why does one person do all the talking at church? Like yeah. our generation values community, so how is a sermon communal? Yes, yes. It's communal in so many ways. But I think to really see that, we have to go back a little bit, mm -hmm. well, a lot a bit <laughs> yeah. in time, yeah. right, to sort of the first century Christian church mm. that was not um, as structured in the way we think of structure. Mm. Um, but even if we go back further and we go back to Jesus and like the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, they were literally outside 
on this mountain, people came and gathered and sat on the ground, sat amongst each other, and they could feel each other's breath. They could feel each other's movement. It it was organic. I've mm. been to that region, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but go, being in that in those places that yes. look like that, you enter mm. what you're describing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This this is happening right now. It's organic. There's not something that we have. Um, prescribed and saying it has to be this. Mm-hmm. What we said, what Jesus said was, tell the people I'm going to preach. And then they came and then we were all in the space mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think that people are picking up, young people, but also people from previous generations who were like, mm, this feels a little stale to me and mm-hmm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. We're missing the, the absence of that interconnectivity, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, Jesus was the preacher, but he was amongst the people, mm-hmm. right? Back to that incarnation. Back yeah. to the incarnation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we have set up, most worship spaces now have set up, although they, are, they come in many shapes, and sizes and flavors, right, where people meet together. But but most people now are used to like, okay, the preacher is up there behind a pulpit. There's some separation between the congregation mm. and the person. And even there are subliminal messages about that separation, mm-hmm. about um, I am the one who's speaking and you are the one who is listening. So we've also lost that dialogical mm. part, mm-hmm. uh, the blessing part, right? The Sermon mm-hmm. on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes, which are blessings, mm-hmm. right? Instead mm-hmm. of like, okay, when at the end of my sermon, maybe I'll get to some blessing pieces for you. But like beginning with, I love you, mm-hmm. beloved. Mm-hmm. Here are some blessings. I see you. I see you. Yeah. So even that aspect. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, and I'm not saying this is a, a general statement that no one who is a preacher, no church is engaging in those things. Mm-hmm. But I think we've put some barriers in place. We didn't mean to, mm. but we've put some barriers in place as we become more structured. And I will even say we've become more civilized about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's also about the bodies in the space and what we are allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, we make exceptions for people who are either like children mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, well, they can't they, they don't really know how to just sit yeah. still and listen. Or people who might have some degree of developmental delay and we say, oh, that's OK, because they don't. But we've put this barrier mm-hmm. on how are we supposed to engage in this space? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I get it. They're they're missing what is missing. Yeah, yeah. And in inherently in our humanity, mm-hmm. I think God created us with a longing mm-hmm. for that. Mm. I love That's... that my st- my students are bringing up this question yes. mm-hmm. because it forces us to engage with with what they're saying. We desire community. Mm. We desire yes. to, to be closer. We desire maybe yes. something they know in their bones could be. Yeah, yeah. could be and articulate. Mm-hmm. To be able to articulate that and to be seen and heard. That's what's so beautiful mm-hmm. about you even lifting up the questions, mm. right? Um, that they are seen and heard. Mm. I mean, we, we also have this um, paradigm framework sometimes in the church. And, and a lot of these things I'm saying are um, a bit particular to the Western church. So I know that there are other places in the world that have been able to do things and flow a little bit differently. But in the Western church, you know, that's sort of like, well, you don't really have anything to offer until you're this age mm. or until you've gone to school to really study that, right? We we have taken away um, as a society and as, and as community the value of just that inherent 
I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel this way and that's mm. valid. And just because I didn't read about it in a different book or someone older and wiser didn't tell me about it doesn't mean that it's not valid and that that's not a word for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are definitely different uh, manifestations of church that do preaching differently. But in general, those barriers, I think people are responding to them. Mm. Historically and theologically, how did those barriers come up and mm-hmm. what are ways that we can knock them down? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, historically, we went from being this maverick new way of thinking about, you know, this pathway of mm. following this Jesus Christ meeting in homes, going to places and communities Mm. and traveling around. So it necessitated, we didn't necessarily have this fixed place, right? Um, And then we did start building communities and then we had fixed places and we were trying to say, okay, well, we had the temple and we had the tabernacle. So can we, how do we translate those into this Christianity, this follower of Christ Mm. model? Um, And so that started to develop into let's have these structures, these churches that are maybe beautiful, but we're we're no longer meeting in people's homes where that's even in that you feel differently being in someone's home, right? Mm. That's why we're doing this podcast in in my home. home. Exactly. The hospitality is different (laughs) when you're in a home than it is when Mm -hmm. you're in a church. And so, um, and, and then there started to be, this dialogue between, okay, what what should the church look like, right? Mm. Are there icons in the church? Are there not icons in the church? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of back and forth and argument and whole splits and reformation and all of those <laughs> kinds of things that yeah. we don't necessarily need to deeply dive into. But the expectation became mm-hmm. this needs to be um, a structure that is reverent, mm. but that is not home, in the kind of way that when we are literally in a home, right? Mm. Which is in and of itself a confusing message, right? Because we come together as followers of Christ for that connection and mm. for that enlivenment so that we can then go out into the world and take that with us, right? Um, so we went throughout history making beautiful buildings and beautiful structures. And I love, I mean, I love churches. Yeah, I, I think they yeah. are they are amazing in the artistry and the craftsmanship that's behind it. They're wonderful. But then what translated in the pews and in the seats was a hierarchy. So the structure of the building, the rigidity of the building was mm. translated into, okay, then how do we actually interact with one another? Mm-hmm. Um, and different liturgical traditions have different structures of hierarchy, but we started building, um, literally building the place where the preacher is mm. far and away. Yeah. Far, so, and higher. And higher and far and away. So literally <laughs> yeah. the word from on high um, and literally building in that separation. Yeah, and yeah. we could not help but to to have that become a part of how we interact with each mm. other. Um, and so I think the answers are complex, um, but 
some of it is intentionality, even if that's still the structure that we worship in, right? Because I love to go, I took a trip to Europe this summer and I was in churches in the UK and in France and in mm. Spain. I love to go to these beautiful buildings that are hundreds of years old. Like mm -hmm. I, being an American, it's like you wrap your right, mind yeah, around that because totally. you know we're pretty young as a country. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, so we don't have structures that are hundreds mm -hmm. and hundreds and hundreds of years old. But I love being there, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we intentionally say, okay, this structure may seem cold in and of itself. Mm. The fire and the passion is going to come from the people mm. and how we engage with mm. one another. Even just coming out from behind the lectern or the yeah. pulpit mm -hmm. or coming down mm -hmm. from your lofty place, right? Not just during the sermon, but as we engage with one another in day-to-day yeah. -day life of living as community. And so I think it's going to look different and it looks different for every community, but it's how are we intentionally acknowledging mm. the barriers there? History has borne this out, but people are feeling this distance and this um, hollowness a mm. little bit. And so we have to be intentional about coming back together and literally spanning that distance between the word and the people, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a vulnerability in that that I think is beautiful for preachers. Um, it can feel safer behind. Yeah. <laughs> it can feel <laughs> right. um, mm -hmm. like this is where my authority is coming from. Mm -hmm. And if I move from out here, then maybe I'm just like a regular person who's trying to figure out mm -hmm. this life of faith. And that's a secret I don't want people to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. um, because we've, put a lot of pressure on preachers to be the ones with the answers, right? So I think it's it's the intentionality mm. to say we are um, breaking down these barriers. It reminds me of the friends who took their friend who needed healing from Jesus mm. to the house and could not get in, so they tore the roof off mm. the house to get to Jesus, and so we are trying to, I'm not saying tear down the walls literally of our churches, but we are trying to tear down those barriers to get to Jesus, to get to Jesus, but also get to the Jesus within one another. Mm. Mm. I love that. It's beautiful. I love, love that, um, that imagery of, of, of the friends bringing a friend yes. so they could get to Jesus. Yes. And that's, that is so communal. Well, you know, this is um, a question that, our, that young people in our lives have brought up to us, and it's just really logistical. Mm, mm. <laughs> and But maybe it's theological too, but how long should a sermon be? Mm. So, you know, our, <laughs> our, our students will say, well, attention spans are shorter, and it seems like, you know, we shouldn't talk so long or hear a sermon for so long. What would you say to that kind of question? Well, I'll answer two ways. The first way is I tell my preaching students, um, because they have an assignment where they have to preach a 10-minute sermon, mm -hmm. and most people are like, that's way, 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 way too short, mm -hmm. um, especially because most of all the, the students, most of the students that I have um, are Protestant, mm -hmm. and so they are going, oh, no, 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 like... The, 10 minutes, I'm still in my introduction, right? <laughs> I, I do this in my preaching class too. I've yes. been there and they say, you can't say anything in 10 my, minutes. My answer is if you can't say it in 10 minutes, 
there's a chance you don't know what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. To be able to really focus in and be focused and concise. Mm. This is the word from the Lord. Now, yes, we've put a lot of stuff in that around that. That is not, you know, rhetorical devices that we need for oral to oral communication, but your focus should be there. So yeah, in 10 minutes, you should be able to say, this is the word of the Lord. Mm. Um, that's the tricky part because it necessitates that this is a word from the Lord. Mm. This isn't about just all the rhetor rhetorical devices things or all of the great exegetical work that I have done and yeah. study. And those things are beautiful, but what is this really about this moment, this encounter with each other and this mm -hmm. encounter with Jesus? So I say, yes, you should be able to do it in 10 minutes. Now, the second part is how long should it be? I mean, I look, I'm a Baptist preacher. So it is nothing to have a 45-minute sermon. <laughs> so part of it is your ecclesial, your church the tradition. Context. The mm -hmm. context. Mm -hmm. But like I do with my students, um, and I do this with myself because I can wander off into places and then go, wait, what was I talking about? Um, <laughs> that it's the focus. What is mm -hmm. the word, right? Mm -hmm. God is always speaking. You know, when we preach, some, this also is connected to, if you're sitting there thinking, this is way too long. A, a subconscious question might be like, why are we doing this in the first place? Mm -hmm. This is just marking up a, a spot in the order of service. I'm not even sure why we're doing this, mm. right? Do we truly believe that God is still speaking to mm. us in this way through this manifestation of the word with the very present fresh word for us in this moment, in this very moment of this church service, Right. So if that is part of the through line for the preacher and they are intentionally and explicitly engaging that, yeah. I think people will take 10 minutes, they'll take 45 minutes, they'll take it because that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> God is. is speaking to us right now, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, through this frail human person, right? Um, but if we've lost some of that um, urgency about we are encountering God right now. It can mm -hmm. just feel like something we're trying to get through. And then someone might go, yeah, okay, it's been 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'm not sure why we still, we're still here. Mm -hmm. And so I say mm -hmm. this without judgment. Um, mm -hmm. It's not to say like, oh, this as an accusation. It's just because we, we can be, become a little caught up with a lot of other things and miss that core reason that we're even which is standing yeah, in front it's of not someone. ultimately about um our attention spans exactly it's about where our attention yes. is where our attention yeah. is so, I, yeah. and, and and again helps us understand why this person is the one to oh because god spoke to this person mm -hmm. and they have yeah. a message for us yeah mm -hmm. that i think is communal um and deeply relational yeah versus oh well this is the person whose name was on the order of service and I don't, I don't know why. How yeah. can they get to speak? Right. Yeah. And I will also go back to that and say, you know, if you're getting that question in your congregation, a question might be like, Oh, how do we let the congregation speak? The people in our mm. community speak in other ways, maybe not in the sermon, mm -hmm. but in other ways so that people are feel seen and heard mm -hmm. and related to, and we are having true relationship. Encountering Preaching and preachers in the way that you're describing is so different than many of the uh, the young adults that we work with 
who grew up in spaces, regardless of how long a sermon was or what their denominational background is, who grew up thinking a sermon is for entertainment or a a sermon is to absorb information. Um, So many of our students are like, sermons are boring or they're patronizing and judgmental or they're shallow and self-congratulatory. And um, and they're just, I mean, in short, a lot of sermons suck in the words of our students. Yes. Why, why is that? And how do we, how do we come back to this embodied, this embodied urgency is, is one, one theme I'm hearing from you, um, in our, not just in the way preachers preach, but in how we hear from preachers, how we hear sermons. Yes. Yes. That is, you know, as someone who works with preaching as an art form, I have had people respond um, really well to that. And yes, mm. I see that. Yes, it's an art form. And then also have people go, no, 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 no. Because if you're saying art form, then you're saying entertainment. Mm. The sermon is not entertainment. Um, and where I go with that is, first of all, that's not what I'm saying that the mm. sermon <laughs> should be. Totally. But there, there is a tangibility and an intangibility that mm. we are trying to harvest through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So what I'm getting at is there's a vulnerability and a humility that I think is necessary for this kind of embodied preaching, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, there's something about that. It's like watching theater. I know I'm an actor, so of course I'm going to go to theater. But it's like watching theater and you can have the the most, you know, pathetic character, right? Mm -hmm. But they're so vulnerable and there's something about them that draws us into them, Mm. So I think exactly what some of your students are saying is picking up on that we as preachers have not always been allowed to be vulnerable mm. and humble and authentic. And so we've put up these walls. Um, and when you, as a human being, need a wall, you say, well, I'm not going to just run into that. I'm going to turn around and go the other way and try mm. and find some other entry into what this is. I don't, I don't, there's no door to this wall, right? And so... That um, inauthentic barrier. Now, those have come, again, through history, right? There was a time where literally, a sermon, literally, they were taught, this is a lecture, mm. right? I'm teaching you mm. about what God wants us to do, what God, how God wants us to be, and it's a lecture. This is a one-way street, right? Be, at least between the preacher and the congregation, right? Mm. Um, and then mid-20th century, there was this... Um, resurgence of this, well, wait, it's also about the preacher. Mm. It's also like we are the vessel and we're not empty vessels. Mm. We are vessels that empty ourselves in, in, or, or seek to empty ourselves and so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with God's message. But we don't, we're not robots who just download this sermon and then we give it to you all. So you mid- 20th century, there was this resurgence called the new homiletic where it was like, whoa, let's also spend time talking about the preacher and who the Mm. preacher is and how the preacher steps before the people to be relational in a different Mm. kind of way. But there was pushback on that, right? Because then you're trying to focus on the preacher and then, um, you know, it's not about God. And as things do in creation and in the world, on this side of eternity, things become distorted, right? Mm. So now we also have this culture of personality mm-hmm. where people literally are not expecting to hear the word of God. And if you ask them, they might be 
sort of dumbfounded by that question because they love the personality of the preacher. That's why they come and that's what Mm -hmm. they want to hear. And so that process of vulnerability and humility, I think can be the balm in Gilead to a lot of that. It's boring Mm -hmm. because if we see a real human being in front of us, Mm -hmm. even if they stutter, even if they're not really great at and clever and witty and, you know, but you can see the heart of God in them, you're going to be like, okay, Okay, mm. but if that it authenticity, yes. If it's a one-way street lecture, mm, if it is okay, I figured it all out, and I'm now sharing it with you all, so that hopefully you can figure it out as well. That's inauthentic. Nobody wants mm-hmm. it's condescending. Nobody wants that. But we have whole generations of preachers who were kind of taught, whether explicitly but implicitly, taught to preach that way. And we have mega churches full of people Absolutely. who seem to eat that stuff up. Right, because they've been contextualized. We've been contextualized that this is what preaching mm-hmm. is supposed to be. This is what... Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I have been places and heard preaching where pe- preachers are authentic and vulnerable and hum- and people are like, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. Mm. It's fascinating. Because I don't... I want to put my trust... Mm in you as a human being. Mm. And I felt like that vulnerability doesn't. And then again, we back it up and get to the question like, whoa, that's a distortion. It's not about me. Even Jesus, right? He said, I'm coming in the authority of the father. Mm. And he was God, (laughs) right? Right. Mm -hmm. Jesus was the word incarnate. (laughs) incarnate. So, so we can follow that model as preachers. No, 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 no. Please do not venerate me. I'm another follower of Christ who, yes, I've been given this assignment in this role. And I, the only authority that I have, though, comes from God. It doesn't come from my own ability to be whatever that venerated image mm. that you might have in your mind. And mm. so for some pastors and preachers to teach that to their congregation um, is dangerous because mm. a lot of Church structures will say, well, we can just get somebody else who will (laughs) do it the way we want you to do it. And while you're being vulnerable, you can be vulnerable somewhere else. So, you know, that's very human to be like, Mm -hmm. even if I don't like this expectation, I need to meet this expectation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I love your thoughts on that because I think as a preacher, we're always trying to figure out vulnerability, how much is too much how much do I know people? How much do they know me? Mm-hmm. It can't become about me. Right. And, and, but I love the way you're bringing so much balance to that. And um, that really highlights the need for a preacher to be incarnated in their community, to be embodied yes, in their community. Yes. That, that that's why it's not good to have celebrities, right. <laughs> celebrity preachers, but that it's the preacher is truly part of the community because then vulnerability isn't group therapy or yes. uh, trying to <laughs> leverage pain for, um, you know, entertainment or something, you know, whatever form something that might artificial take. Yeah. But that it's, yes, it's really, truly communal. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did have a professor when I was in seminary say, um, preacher, this, this is why you need to be self-reflective and self-aware because that pulpit can be, it can be seductive to just get up there and work out all your issues mm. on your congregation. Mm. And that is a dysfunctional relationship that will just keep, mm. you know, bearing dysfunctional fruit. Yeah. <laughs> so that needing to be self-reflective and self-aware and how am I sharing mm. and why am I sharing? Mm-hmm. I'm sharing this little piece of myself because it is illuminating the message that God has given me, mm. not just because... I have a spotlight on me right now, right? So keep going back to 
what is the word that God has for the people? Mm-hmm. I love that advice. Um, you know, one of the things, this is switching uh, tracks just a little bit, but we really want to make sure that we bring this up. One of the things we also hear from young people is, okay, this is for many, the one time a week we come together. We come together as a community. Why couldn't we just watch a good sermon on YouTube some other time in the week? But when we come together, let's do justice together. Mm-hmm. Let's, and, and so yeah. when that question is asked, of course, yes, we should do justice, mm-hmm. but it's also... Um, you know, a misunderstanding of what preaching is. So right. help us with help us with this and let's think about justice mm-hmm. related. How how is how is justice related to sermons? Absolutely. Um, and I love that that question and I love people, young, old, and everywhere in between who have that because that mm-hmm. is of God mm-hmm. to have justice as a part of the framework of your desire to see the work of the church, right? So first of all, just really acknowledging that and naming that and celebrating that. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if you go, but in the sermon, that's not always, mm-hmm. right? So God is not the author of chaos. And I go to that to say that, again, there's a message for the people. And there's a the reason this message is coming to the people is because of a need, mm. And sometimes a congregation, um, let's say you saw someone saw someone something on the news that was unjust, right? And they say, okay, this is what our church needs to prioritize right now and mm-hmm. be doing right now at the top of our to-do list mm-hmm. for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. But the message that God has spoken to that community, that portion of the body of Christ, that's a maybe a part of it, but there are other things going on because mm-hmm. we don't want to just be reactionary. Right. It's not always Mm -hmm. just, okay. I saw this thing. It was in just like, like we have to be thoughtful Mm. and ask God and seek God's guidance Mm -hmm. on like, how are we to speak into this? So I would also say to this young person, justice is happening in the midst of what we are doing, Mm -hmm. even if it is not the outcome oriented action that it sounds like perhaps you're seeking right now. Mm. That's a part of what we are doing, but to get to the action, we have to occupy a space of the Mm -hmm. being Mm. and be formed there and be formed Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. so that the action we are doing is actually a holistic action. That's going to build a foundation um, for this justice to flourish, yeah. for God's justice to flourish. So I think it really is looking at that, looking at what justice work is in mm. an expansive mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and helping people to understand, yes, part of what we want to do is be present with people um, who are mm-hmm. suffering through different parts of injustice. And we can do that as mm-hmm. a community. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're talking about being formed as a community that is following Christ, it it takes so much more mm. than just that moment of reaction. So what? So I would then go back with the question of like, so what would that look like for you? Mm-hmm. So if we said, okay, we're not going to do sermons, we're going to come together and do justice, and then have the M start processing and us as a community start processing mm. so that we're, because that's also part of it too, to not just say, no, 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 we're not doing that, right? Right. But, but help them, oh, okay, that's an expansive response mm-hmm. to my question. Mm-hmm. 
to the idea of what justice is. Mm -hmm. Now, I also say this, having grown up, because I grew up in a predominantly black church. Mm -hmm. um, it's the church that ordained me, my church my parents went to when they started dating, you know, so oh, it's very much beautiful. a part of our life. And the pastor, founding pastor of that church was very involved in the civil rights movement in Houston, Texas, where I'm from. Um, and so justice was a part of his ministry that God had called him to. Mm. So there was DNA of justice in all of his sermons, mm -hmm. but he wasn't always talking mm -hmm. about the thing that we're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. It was the formation mm -hmm. piece. So mm -hmm. I also right. learned that I had an ocular demonstration of what that was growing up uh, way before I could even really appreciate mm -hmm. what that was, yeah. right? And that's the other thing I would say mm -hmm. is that God calls us to um, assignments and roles. Mm -hmm. Not every preacher's call is wrapped around explicit justice work in the way that someone is probably thinking mm -hmm, when they're saying mm -hmm. we need to do justice, mm -hmm. right? Noah, who, you know, was prophetic, he might not get the label of prophet in the same way, but he was prophetic, had one sermon and it's, it's going to rain, y'all. Y'all, yeah. it's going <laughs> to rain. Right. And it was an important And one. it was an important <laughs> message, right? And it was, and so the, the world was falling apart around him and someone might go, well, Noah, well, then why aren't you doing the, you know, and he's like, well, because the message God gave me is it's going to rain, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I don't know how that fits into this bigger picture. But so there's also a part of that, too, that we all have a piece of this redemptive, resurrected gospel mm -hmm. that we are preaching. Mm -hmm. And so it's also not just what this church is doing. What is this community doing? Yeah. What are the church? What are we doing with the church mm -hmm. down the street? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That we don't all have to reinvent the wheel. Right. I actually love this question when I'm asked because it's saying to us, hey, something is missing here and mm, yeah. what I'm a part of. Let's work that out together, yeah. which is something that we just really value mm -hmm. in our work is is being together yes. with the emerging adults in our lives. Let's let's together together, together do justice yeah. and yes. and figure out how we do church. Church yeah. life together. So. And tell the stories mm -hmm. of justice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's another manifestation. Mm -hmm. yeah, There's a great mm -hmm. documentary um, called uh, Slavery by Another Name. I could be messing, I could definitely be messing up the title of that documentary because it's been over 10 years since I've seen it. But one of the things that the, one of the people in documentary, it's, documentary said, sometimes justice is in the telling of the story. Mm. So, you know, even mm -hmm. to look at, Again, what is our definition of doing mm. justice? And like, you know, just oh, saying beautiful. our community tells the story by naming it yeah. rather than ignoring it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here in in my home today and being here with, with Fallon and me. We love what we've gotten to hear today yeah. and we can't wait to hear more. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Fallon. This is so thank exciting. You. And just continue to be blessed abundantly mm. in the work that you're doing. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you.